0: Good morning and welcome to All Things Jessamine. Glad to have you along on this Saturday morning as we talk about country stores. Well, one in particular, as I told you in the opening uh, several years ago, if you looked over the Jessamine County landscape, you saw lots of little country stores. Well, one of those we're going to talk about today that was located down around the Sugar Creek Road area, and that's called Bruner's Store. Ira Bruner owned it for many years, but a lot of people don't know that the history of that store goes way back into the late 1800s. With me today, is one of his grandchildren Jennifer Shropshire good morning good morning and you're gonna tell me all about Ira Brenner and his store now Jennifer we there's a whole lot of information that we are cover here I'm sure today about this store but as I mentioned just a few minutes ago your granddad didn't just start this from scratch this is probably a country store that has been around or was around longer than most others. So let's talk about how it all began. How did the store come into existence? Was it there and built as a store, or did it start somewhere else?
1: It started in the log home right across the road, and it's right at the intersection of Lock 8 Road and Sugar Creek Pike. When they built the store, John Overstreet also acted as postmaster. He wrote several newspapers, and I believe, according to what I've read, he was blind or deaf.
0: Really? One of them, yes. So to recap, this guy had a log house. Is it still there, by the way? It is still there. So the log house is still sitting there, and we're going back to the late 1800s, and he had the store in the home. That's correct. And then decided, well, maybe we need to use the home for something else. And that's when they built the building that later your granddad owned as a store. Is that right? That's correct. Okay, so we is that building still there?
1: It is still there, but not in the condition that we right. all know it and love it yeah. as.
0: Okay, so this guy is is a postmaster. He's a jack of all trades, and he owns this store. And his name was uh, John Overstreet. Okay, yes. we've got to that point. How long did he have it?
1: He operated the store for... For quite a few years until it was purchased by, oh, Ernest May, who owned it for 19 years. John Overstreet died in 1921 Mm -hmm. and that's when it was purchased by Ernest May. So
0: Ernest May bought it then.
1: Ernest May bought it then, ran it for 19 years and then it was purchased by Forrest Kaner who then sold it to my grandfather Ira in 1948.
0: So before your granddad ever got in it, we had three owners. Yes. Dating back to 1891. Now let's stop and talk a little bit about your granddad and his life as far as where he was born and when and when he got married. Let's get some background on him and then we'll talk about him getting into the store business.
1: Granddaddy actually um he was born in nineteen twelve and he actually grew up just about a half mile down the road, down Lockgate Road. So he grew up not far from the store he went on to buy, and he went on to marry Lotella Taylor who grew up in the Mount Lebanon Pollard area. They married, my grandmother Lotella actually had a child prior to their marriage, and his name was Bobby, Bobby Bryant. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they went on to have four more children. Dorothy in 1934, Faye in 1939, Ira Bruner Jr. in 1941, and then my father, Bunny, in 1945.
0: Now, are those four kids, any, are, are any or all of them still living?
1: Dorothy passed away um, a few years ago, but Faye and Junior and Daddy are still living yeah. and doing well.
0: So your grandparents were Jessamine County natives grew up probably knowing each other uh, down in that area of the country because back then you kind of knew everybody in those neighborhoods. Oh, yeah. So they grew up probably knowing each other and probably as children visited this store many times, never thinking that one day it would be theirs. Now at what point if you know what what made him decide we need to buy this store? What, did it just happen upon or
1: they had owned a store in Poor Town previous? Okay to purchasing this store so there was they had some experience with running a little general store and that's the vision that my grandfather had now done. tell
0: people that may not be from here where poor town is
1: poor town is located off us 27 right <laughs> uh, to your right right prior to camp nelson
0: right so he had a store down there and this one came available closer to home yeah Probably the reason he decided he didn't have to travel as far. Back then, even though Poor Town is really not that far from Sugar Creek, it was still a pretty good distance, I'm sure, to travel every day. Oh,
1: yeah. Yeah. Uh, My dad, I think he tells me he was three when he moved. He doesn't really remember the Poor Town experience, but buying the store, it was a big deal. Yeah. It was a big deal, and it was already very well established in the community.
0: And the thing that people don't remember or realize, I guess, especially younger people, is that when you went into a country store, it wasn't just a place where you buy soft drinks and a sandwich. I mean, this store was—it was the Walmart of its day because they had everything in these stores. They had to because people in the county didn't want to come all the way down.
1: To uh, there were groceries, gloves, shoestrings. If you wanted a haircut, uh, Granddaddy was always willing. He really? never said no.
0: He gave haircuts. Yeah, he'd at
1: pull out a stool and uh, <laughs> and cut your hair. But, yeah, folks, you couldn't just run to town anytime you wanted to. And down there, um, and it continued like that until 1989 when the store closed, folks would come in and charge the items. Mm-hmm. And the charge lists were kept in a notebook, just like any notebook you'd buy now at Walmart or the Dollar Tree. you just simply turn to that person's page, write down, what they've got and total it up. And it wasn't paid off until they were paid for their tobacco.
0: Yeah. We had a program earlier in this series and, and I can't exactly remember which Oh, well, I know what it was. We were talking about the old Kroger store that used to sit across the street from where we are right now in the, in the building where the circuit clerk's office is back in the early forties. And Terry Leach, whose dad was manager of that store was talking about the same thing is how in that community in that time, Uh, because it was a farming community and because a lot of these farmers, they just got through the year and then they made a big bunch of money at one time on their tobacco to get them through the next year. So your grandparents had to work with that. They kind of were in the same boat. They had to get all their money at one time and hope it lasted them through the next year. But if they didn't do that, they wouldn't have any business. I mean, that's just the way it was. That's, that is. That's just the way it was. Now, did they farm or anything like that other than the store?
1: They may have before my time. I know uh, behind the store there's a hill, and I know my uncle, uh, Ira Bruner Jr. raised some tobacco up there on that yeah. hill, but I'm not real sure about prior to that time, my teenage years, if, right. it, if they grew anything.
0: You know, I, I pulled a little piece of, of history out of a Justin County history book. Anigail Vickers actually submitted this.
1: Oh, no, Anigail went.
0: And one of the things she wrote in here, it, kind of what you said. I'm going to read it here. So, uh, talking about children, children found it fun to be dropped off at the store after school. Sometimes they had an extra 50, Sometimes they had an extra fifteen cents, guys, to buy an RC and a bag of peanuts. Teenagers, and we're going to talk about this in a moment. Teenagers enjoyed Iris pranks. We'll we'll get into that. Sometimes you could work in the store, pump gas, make a little money. Also, during the 1950s, you could get a haircut. There you go. Courtesy of Ira for 25 cents. Here's what they had. Some of the stuff. The shoes, overalls, gloves. Of course, they did make the sandwiches for farmers' lunches. The old-time tobacco chews. I bet you there's not many people that listen today, especially that's under the age of 50, that knows what a plug of tobacco even is. Plow points and, of course, dry goods and canned goods. So that's from Anna is, is a remembrance there. Let's talk about Iris pranks. You know, I've heard of these all my life, and there's one in particular, and you know exactly what I'm talking about. Talk to us about your granddaddy and his sense of humor and what he liked to do.
1: He is probably most known for the lung tester. Yes. And as a child, and I'm sure my parents did um, before me, I watched many a, a person walk in that store and granddaddy pull out the lung tester. And uh, challenge them to see how strong their lungs were.
0: Now, this basically was a tube that you blew into. Is that correct? That's correct. And and, a, and it would test how strong your lungs are. He had a rock attached to it. Yeah.
1: Um, and if you blew hard enough, you'd get that rock to raise up. That uh-huh. show you that show that you've got really strong lungs. So everybody uh, who blew on it wanted to give it all they had. Yeah. And uh, they did, and they also, there were two little pinholes that they could not see, and they got a face full of baby powder. <laughs> I've seen uh, so many come through there. <laughs> big, big burly men, big tobacco men uh, with a face full of baby powder. I thought
0: they were really something. I'll show you how strong I am, and the, the, when they blow, the powder comes out. <laughs> was he that way all the time?
1: He He was. He was a... He was a jokester. I mean, he was a family man. Yeah. Um, and we took our, some people might not realize this, but every Sunday, didn't matter what you had going on in your life, we all gathered together every Sunday at the house. All the grandkids or even friends of the family, we all gathered at the house. And one of granddaddy's favorite things to do was go back up to the store. It was closed on Sundays, but he'd walk back up there and he'd get those little, we called them baby Cokes. And he would take an ice pick and poke three holes in the top of each bottle and pass them out to the grandkids. Really? It didn't matter if you were 15. Yeah. You still got a baby Coke yeah, with yeah. The three ice pick holes in the top, and we all sat around on the porch and uh, sucked on those bottles. But he had so many little gadgets in the store. He had the, long before you saw these things in Walmart or uh, the Dollar Tree, he had horseshoes Uh um, with the ring around the middle. And he had to, I've watched so many people stand there and try to figure that out, how to get the ring off the horseshoes. Yeah. The little just chains and just different things that uh, he loved to see people react or come in there and thinking they're so smart, and he pulls out this <laughs> these toys. I know over the years, the variety of people that come through there. I can think back now and, and think that maybe they were Asbury students because folks would show up down there that weren't from Jessamine County. Mm-hmm. You know, you'd get folks from Fayette County, um, but these were people from from all over the world, and it just astonished me. And I know my grandfather and my grandmother when, at one time said, if aliens landed on the earth. <laughs> They would find Bruner's Grocery, <laughs> and uh, I believe that.
0: No, Ira died in 1983, I think it was. Yes. And your grandmother continued to run that. Did you say 89?
1: 1989 is when it was sold at auction.
0: Yeah. You know, there was a lot of little general stores like that around the area. I know I grew up in the Union Mill area, and it was Stenitz Grocery. That was the big one out there. Uh, and, and it seemed like every little pocket in our community, Logana, uh, Sufferwell, Well, uh, Union Mill, Sugar Creek, keen I mean, we could look, and they all had that hub, and that was the hub. That was the place where the men folk gathered to tell the big tall tales. The women came in to do a lot of shopping. Now, on Saturdays, I'm told, that that was when you made the big trip to Nicholasville. Not Lexington, guys, to Nicholasville to spend the day. But during the week, when you needed the milk and you needed the bologna, you needed the eggs and things, the country store is what I think is the reason that a lot of people in this county survived. If it had not been for, for people like your grandparents uh, operating that kind of establishment, but, but it wasn't just to get your stuff. It was a place of interaction. Now, one of the things that Anna Gale mentioned in her thing here was talking about the worn slick benches with the carvings oh. on them. What if they could talk? What stories could be told out of that place?
1: I imagine uh, the the stories that have been told on that porch or on the on the church pews that sat inside the store. I know as a child sitting there, I was very observant and I would watch folks come by, uh, they'd stop, they'd tell a story and then they'd leave and then I'd see somebody else show up and they'd tell a different version of the story. <laughs> And I know as a child, I I stopped granddaddy at one time and said, granddaddy, you've already heard that. And he kind of gave me that eye, gave me that look. And and after everybody had left and told four different versions of the Mm -hmm. story, he said, I like to get everybody's story and uh, then make up my own, piece them all together. But sitting there on those very worn benches, they almost looked like they were shellacked from... Mm -hmm years of of sitting there and and carving everybody you know everybody had a pocket knife right carve your initials in it
0: it's amazing the the memories that come out of that kind of that kind of thing and and probably some stories told that that you couldn't repeat and you know i'm just <laughs> sitting here thinking i bet you this is an election year i bet that it's some hot times down there too talks about politics and things like that i'd say it got pretty exciting at some times
1: as a store owner i'm sure they had their own political views but as a store owner and seeing so many folks come in and and share their views on different candidates you you had to stay a little bit a little bit neutral until after everybody
0: left that's right your personal thoughts now you were somewhat raised up in that store I mean, you weren't very old when, when they closed, I wouldn't think, not to I was 16. Okay, so you were old enough to remember it well and remember things, but especially your grandparents. One of the things that we often talk about is, uh, well, first off, we, we don't want to slight your grandmother because she probably worked as hard or harder than he did, if the truth be known. Uh, everybody knew it as our Bruder's store, but I'd say Miss <laughs> Lotella probably pulled her fair share.
1: Yeah, when he passed away in 83, she continued to operate the store until 1989, and that's when a lot of us grandkids really got involved helping her out. Uh-huh. I spent every weekend, every summer down there, and I feel truly truly blessed and for having that experience it's just a cherished time
0: what kind of lady was she describe her in a few words
1: she was a very talented woman Uh, she loved quilting she loved talking Mm -hmm. the gossip great cook it's unmatched Mm -hmm. Um, we miss it to this day fried corn and fried chicken you'd wake up in the morning and five or six o'clock in the morning you'd hear the pressure cooker a little yeah. a pressure cooker going off, her cooking a good roast.
0: So we talk about her, and now let's talk about him. Same question. Describe him from a granddaughter's eyes.
1: I looked up to granddaddy. I think we all did. Um, he always kept his hair slicked back and those uh, khaki pants on. Sort of a so soft-spoken man, but again, loved the jokes. We spent many Sundays sitting around, uh, even in the house or up on the store porch, and, and him... Cracking jokes um, He took care of his family well Very well But he loved that store He he eventually died of leukemia And I know his last request To please let him go on the store And the best we could do Is just pull up front mm-hmm. have, him, have him look at it The store was the hub of The community, Um, like Anna Gail said, a lot of the kids like to get off on the school bus, get off the school bus there. Mm -hmm. And up until it closed in 89, we still had the little five-cent pieces of bubble gum and the glass candy case. You had to go around back and slide the doors open, get you a pack of chewing gum or a Snickers candy bar. I've sat on the porch and watched many a person count up how many tobacco sticks they cut for the day, and they'd write it right on the side of the truck get a little pencil. really
0: to keep track of it. And there's another subject, Jennifer, that that some of our newer listeners don't have a clue what you're talking about. Folks, believe it or not, uh, the the tobacco and those cigarettes that are bought in stores, that was what drove this community for many years, that and livestock. And uh, what she's saying is that back then, a lot of these people who would cut those plants, those tobacco plants, to put up before they went in the barn to cure, they were paid by the stick. They were paid so much i think i remember growing up because i worked in tobacco for a couple of years and decided that i don't think this is for me and i think that's what drove me into radio but anyway i can remember it seemed like a nickel or seven cents or maybe a dime per stick and there was guys out there that would make good money i mean they could fly through those fields but they would have to keep track of those sticks because that's the only way they knew how they would get paid
1: well, your typical day in the in the spring, summer, and as you go into fall, where at lunchtime, tobacco workers would come in. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're counting up their sticks for the morning. Granddaddy's slicing off Colby cheese and cutting off a link of pickle bologna. And they were filthy dirty. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, they'd come in there filthy, dirty, working hard, but they were hungry.
0: Right, right.
1: And that's when they'd get a sandwich and a pop uh, out of the old freezer. that opened on the on the top. They sat mm-hmm. on the floor. You had to reach down in them, get them that way. It's not like the pop machines of, right. of today. There was no fifty cents you could put in anything. But that's when folks sat around, did their talking, ate their ate a good good lunch, and then uh, took off back to the fields. For a while, it had one of the only phones in the community. Folks yeah. would come up, use the phone. Folks heading down, folks not from the area, heading down there wanting to find lock aid, wanting to fish. That's the first place they stopped for supplies and directions right. and driveways not to pull in. And
0: It was the hub. You well, said it earlier. It was the hub. It
1: was the hub. Another fond memory is just sitting on the porch. And you could tell who was coming down the road before they got there by the sound of their
0: the car <laughs>
1: and uh, the motorcycles or motorcycles as they called them you knew who was coming you didn't even need to look you knew right. who was passing by a lot of couples met there on that porch some young love mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. sitting on the porch maybe trying to sneak a little kiss and those folks went on to get married and have families i know they're at the store even though we closed at 5 or 6 It was the kind of place If you'd cut your finger mm-hmm. If if you needed a gallon of milk Folks would come down Knock on the door of the house And if one of us grandkids was available I mean back then you didn't worry about crime Right Right. Um, she'd hand the keys off to an 8 year old man You'd run up to the yeah. store with the skeleton key Yeah And uh, open it up Let them get in there and get what they needed Milk,
0: band-aids, xylate right. And you trusted them.
1: And you trusted them. And they them. may
0: come back the next day or the next week and pay, but you knew right. they were coming. Right, you they or they needed a call. Yeah. You let them. Sure.
1: Yeah, there was no, uh, you not one worry. Not one worry.
0: You know, in doing this program, I, I discussed this with a fellow a couple of weeks ago, but doing this program, I think the thing that has occurred to me, and, and it makes me sad, is we talk about things like this, is the fact that our kids... Won't experience these times. First off, my kids—I don't know about yours—but my kids. If I told them some of these stories, they look at me like we well, are nuts. You're old, and yeah. you lived in the cave days, and you're nuts, and who that—that didn't happen. It couldn't have happened. It's really kind of sad that we don't have places like the Irish Store and different places like that that we can share with our kids because everything now is just so fast-paced. And as you said, now you put a quarter in a machine and get your your uh, cold drink out. Whereas back then, I mean, you walked in and you reached down in a cooler full of ice and uh, you had this lady behind or this gentleman behind uh, this glass case making your sandwich. And folks, we're not talking about a couple of pieces we're talking about, you know, three inches thick. And that's just the way they did it and didn't think a thing about it. And they made a good living. They raised their their family and made a good living. Your granddad's been gone, what, 32, 33 years now. and Your grandmother, not quite that much. What do you think they'd say? What do you think he'd say if he could go through downtown Nicholsville right now?
1: I think they would be absolutely amazed. I I think the first thing they would notice is uh, all the men sitting on the courthouse fence um, not being there. Not there, yeah. (laughs) Because that was still going on while they were still alive. You know, you could always drive through town. They'd probably look for Buster's ice cream, because that was always something we did on Saturday nights. Yeah, up
0: on 27 (laughs) next to the truck stop. That's a show yet to come. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, they'd be amazed. They would truly. You know, I was thinking about that, too. My grandfather, he died in 79. He died before your granddad. And I've often thought that if we could bring him back just for an hour, he would stand in the middle of the road and just probably scared to death. Yeah. Probably scared to death. A lot of things still look kind of the same in a way, but so much has changed. And and it's just it would be amazing for them to see the reactions.
1: I think I think granddaddy would have uh, been up on the technology. I think he was pretty open-minded. Yeah. He would have uh Tried to modernize things. I do yeah. I do believe that. He would have tried to keep up. But with technology and everything nowadays and superstores, it makes it really, really diff- difficult for small business owners. Oh, sure. And in country stores, we've seen them close sure. just one right after the other. And, you know, you'd love to see them remain open um and run by yeah. a family member one of the children one of the grandchildren and that's something that has crossed our minds so many times but the day it's a different time now. it's a
0: different time i remember on one of these shows we were talking about uh, gas stations and uh i think it was john v carpenter and he was talking about the, the family run gas station once places came in like your Speedways and stuff like that, they were selling it cheaper than the family-owned people could buy it. And that's kind of what happened in these stores, too. When you've got all these things like your big package stores buying on volume, these small stores can't do that. So it's kind of hard. To get a discount, you have to buy 14 cases of corn. Well, a small store doesn't need 14 cases of corn, so it is very difficult.
1: Well, In the late 1980s, a lot of supply places would quit had quit delivering. Mm-hmm. The only person that would keep delivering down there was the Kerns bread man. Yeah. Man had dark hair, kept it slick yeah. back. I can't think of his name. He delivered bread all around here. So
0: he delivered the bread, but anything else they needed, they'd have to go somewhere and get it and take it back. Yes. And that's yes. difficult cuz that just adds to the cost.
1: Yeah, cuz I remember the day um one of my greatest fun memories was sitting at the bottom of the driveway. I was probably about six or seven and watching a big uh, fuel truck pull down there to mm-hmm. put more gas mm-hmm. in the uh, gas tank up there and it got stuck and the the guy that was driving the truck he was trying to fix it and and we were all sitting down at the bottom of the driveway by uh, the barn and this guy, every time he bent over, he showed a little bit too much. <laughs> and as a kid, all of us grandkids sitting around, we—that
0: was entertainment. That
1: was entertainment. Yeah. That, and needed, we were all
0: who needed Netflix. We you were, were watching yeah,
1: We were sitting on wagons in the back of trucks, and that was our Sunday entertainment.
0: Uh, <laughs> it didn't take much, did it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. Well, you know, these are good times. That uh, it's sad. It's sad that we don't have these times again. Uh, but I guess times will just continue. Progress goes on, and and we can't help that. But it's so nice to know that the memories are there. And, folks, if you, if you happen to be out driving around the southeast part of the county anytime, around Lock 8 and Cream Ridge down in there, and you see that, that building, just think. Just think about all of the memories that is, is in the walls of that building and all of the conversations that took place about every subject in the world, I'm sure. And the hopes and dreams that were were shared with each other, the hard work and the the, the that was that walked in those doors by those people needing something to eat or needing groceries. It's amazing what that Holds what that building holds. And for you, of course, having grown up in it and seen all of that and, and been around that, there's just nothing quite like a little country store. And I'm sure there's times every once in a while you can just kind of imagine that that smell and that feeling and that it's just got its own unique thing. That you just can't ever forget, and that's a good thing.
1: It can't be duplicated. Yeah, um, the feeling of community, the feeling of of family.
0: Well, that's very important, and you're you're absolutely correct. Is it's more than just making a sandwich. It's more than just selling a little gas. It's what you said. It's family. It's community. That's bottom line. This was uh, this was home that's probably the best way to describe it it's home good times that should never be forgotten well jennifer thanks for coming in our time is up believe it or not we have uh, we filled a lot there and we appreciate you coming and sharing your memories of your grandparents and the store and the way it used to be. Thank you, Dad. My thanks to Jennifer Shropshire for joining us today and talking about her granddad, Ira Bruner, and the store that he operated in Jessamine County. You know, it's always our privilege to bring you these programs every Saturday morning. All Things Jessamines, here for you on Jess FM 105.9.